welcome to season three, episode six. Uh, what will likely be the last one with this horrible audio. Okay, good times, bad times. Well, uh, you want to start? Sure. First good time is that I have a lot less to talk about this week, so it should be a decently uh, length episode. Um, <laughs> I'm still editing. <laughs> I haven't released last up. week's because I'm still editing the political. The political is an episode long. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But uh, this week, this week I have a lot less to talk about. So that's because you were busy doing other things. Uh, ish, but also I feel like less happened. Okay. You know, we're now, like, solidly into the Biden administration. More things are evening out. I don't know. Okay. Less stories piqued my interest. Okay. But anywho, my first good time, real one, is that, and my only good time, actually, this week, is that uh, Canada has officially labeled the white supremacist group, the Proud Boys, a terrorist organization. Now, this is a homebred locally sourced terrorist organization that has done quite well by breaching into the U.S. market. And it's very rare that a Canadian company, you know, succeeds and then <laughs> takes over in the U.S., but the Proud Boys managed to do it. And, you know, I'm just, it's horrible to see the government stifling such a successful industry, I, uh, international. I gotta say, until Biden, and maybe this is just because I live a sheltered life, but until Biden said something to Trump in that debate... I'd never heard of them. I had. Yeah? I heard of them maybe first time two, three years ago. Because they've committed acts of terror? They, uh, they've certainly done some newsworthy things, but I was actually, I, um, I was looking, I kept the article up because I thought you might have questions similar to this. And you don't, in, in Canadian law, you don't have to commit what might be considered an act of terror to be considered a terrorist organization. The Canadian Security Intelligence Service defines the term as extremism driven by a range of grievances and ideas from across the traditional ideological spectrum. Huh. Well, I mean, listen, I'm sure this is I'm, this is a, a horrible organization. I'm just curious about, you know, when you have a broad, such a broad definition, it's okay as long as the right people are in power. Yes, that's true. Although I will say, I mean, I, I, I don't remember any off the top of my head, but I do recall Proud Boys being mentioned in several violent stories. Yeah. Um, I think the 2017 Quebec City mosque attack and the 2018 Toronto van attack, the people talked about the Proud Boys and supporting the Proud Boys if they weren't directly members. Okay. Okay. So, uh... Yeah, so I thought that was a, a, a good move. There was a few others that uh, they they put on. It's also, uh, I'm, I, it's a. This. What does it mean exactly? Like, does it is it we're going to be closely watching what you do, or is it we're going to start taking criminal action against you? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sure there's uh, there's got to be something because they're not just going to be like, yeah, you're terrorists, but we're not going to care. Um, yeah, okay. Um, it is not necessarily a crime to be a member of these groups, but designating an organization as a terrorist entity can have serious criminal and financial consequences. Banks can now freeze assets, and police can charge anyone who financially or materially supports such a group. Okay. 
Uh, the criminal code, it is an indictable offense to collect property, provide or invite a person to provide or make available property or financial or other related services to a terrorist entity. Well, there you go. Yeah. For example, <laughs> buying the group's paraphernalia or paying membership dues could result in a jail term of up to 10 years. Wow. Yeah. It's good overall. The yes. Last. And we're actually the first country to uh, designate them a terrorist organization. Well, it started here, so... Yeah, right? It, it seems like perhaps it should be. <laughs> but yeah, that's my good time. I have a couple. Uh, the SAG actor, I think it was called, was having a meeting to try to decide if they should kick Trump out. He sent them a letter saying, who cares, and I quit, basically. But And the best response to this was Stephen Colbert in response to, who cares? It's uh, uh, the guy that took the time to wrote, write the letter? Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly right. Obviously, yeah, who I cares? Watched, I watched that uh, Stephen Colbert clip, too, and I thought it was, it was very funny and very spot on. Yeah. Obviously, you do if you took the time to write a letter. Yeah. And not just a letter that's like, I officially resign. That was like, paragraphs. Some spite and uh, like I was in Home Alone and and yeah. uh, Wall Street Two or something in another movie. What have you done for me? Nothing. Like, it was <laughs> it was quite funny. Is he saying that because he couldn't have been in those movies without being a member of the union? So is he saying that the union didn't do anything for him because he was only in those three movies and they couldn't find him other work? I think he was in... I think you can. You can be in a movie without being... You can be an extra in the movie without being in the union. I think he'd be an extra... Yeah, and that's all he was. He has lines. If you have lines, you're not an extra. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know. He said he got those... I think his point was he got those roles on his own and the union didn't help him. Was what I took from it, but I don't... I don't know. I didn't really well, read that much into that's the That's probably order. what he meant, but uh, I would just argue that he couldn't have done it without being a member of the union, so... Maybe. Oh, does this mean we won't get to see him in any more movies? Playing himself? Yeah. Yeah, what a shame. He's uh, so popular in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's in. He's high demand. <laughs> probably his choice of scripts. Choice of fine scripts. Oh, 100%. Smartmatic has also joined Dominion in uh, filing a lawsuit against Fox, Giuliani, and Sidney Powell. Another another two point seven billion. I can't remember what Dominion's was, but it was somewhere in that range. It was in the billions as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so if they lose this one and the other one, there's there that's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder. Like, how does it work if you don't have the money to pay out your lawsuits? Do you have to like get a payment plan? <laughs> yeah, it's like a mortgage. No, you declare bankruptcy and you uh, you don't pay them. You only pay what you have. Well, I hope that they lose. I'm sure Fox has the money. I don't know about Giuliani or Powell. I doubt they have the money. I don't think they're billionaires. I don't know. Do you think Fox has the multi-billion dollars to yeah. pay out the lawsuits? Yeah, probably. Okay. They've been struggling recently. Maybe. Since, since, uh... They stopped getting phone calls from the president on all their shows? <laughs> well, yeah, no, and then Trump turned against them and is now pushing, like, uh, News Now and OANN and... Yeah. Or News Network. I don't know, the, the even further right crazy kooky ones. Yeah. The ones that shouldn't have news in their name. Yeah, exactly. 
Fox is just crazy, but the crazy kooky ones are what Trump's on now. <laughs> and uh, it's Super Bowl today. It should be a good one. Uh, Brady versus Mahomes. Now, there's there's no parties, so you're not allowed to, to be going out and mingling, which is fine. So I'm going to be sitting in my uh, hotel room. I got some cheese yesterday from Costco. I got some homemade sausage from one of the ladies where I'm working and some crackers and some nachos and salsa. And I'll sit back and enjoy the game on my, I don't know, 40-inch television here. So it should be a good one. There's there's uh, It's the first time the winning quarterbacks of the last two Super Bowls are playing each other. Uh, Brady's like an old vet and Mahomes is this young upstart Mahomes is probably the only one that might challenge some of Brady's records like most rings. If he wins this one, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be 6-2. But if Brady wins, it'll be seven seven rings that Brady has, which will be tough for Mahomes to, to catch. So, yeah, it'll be, should be a good game. Cool. Bad times. You got bad times? <laughs> yeah, I got I got one, one bad time to match my one good time. So the site of Canada's largest COVID outbreak a Cargill meatpacking plant in high-level Alberta not is facing another outbreak. Not uh, what did we say it was the first time? Uh, high, I don't know. High, it hey, is it high level? Yeah, but you were talking. You were talking about the city that's on the border between Alberta and Saskatchewan. No, no, that's Lethbridge. High level, but that's Lethbridge. No, no, but no, I was calling something else. But we were talking when we first talked about this Cargill outbreak we said a city in alberta that it wasn't in like in one of the first episodes oh, you know you're right i think we said high level and i just said high level and it's, but hey, I think high, it's ri- in high river yeah it's in high river or something i knew i should have gone and double checked that but i was like no it was high level i think um, that's the same okay, mistake right. we made last time <laughs> in memory <laughs> it is high river yes okay I'm going to, I mean, I know we're already reading it, but I'm changing it in the outline so that really packing it into our brains. In High River, Alberta, sorry, High Level, we have nothing against you. The following week, this is why I remember, is the following week we made fun of Alberta for a lack of originality in names and... Yeah. And well, plus we were surprised that it was High Level because it's such like a small middle of nowhere place and then it was, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Okay. Meatpacking factory Cargill High River, another outbreak. Not as bad as the first one, which saw up to 950 cases. But right now, this is at 11 cases from this meatpacking plant, seven of which are active. Now, it started on December 16th, but it was only recently publicly reported because they only have to publicly report once you reach five cases. That seems wrong to me. I feel like you should have to publicly report once you reach one case. Uh, I don't know. If you have a case and you isolate and you take care of it, I, I don't know if you need to be publicly reporting every case. Maybe, Maybe. it depends, like, like more than like in a month, like a couple of cases in a month, like obviously it shows an issue if you have more than three or four in a month, but... I guess maybe I'm just thinking in terms of the fact that this place has had an outbreak before. And yeah, maybe after maybe you should be put on some sort of uh, over the next six months you have to report every case because yeah. you've already had a huge outbreak. 
maybe yeah. something like that. But overall, I don't have a problem with. Yeah, you're probably right. Not like your very first Daisy Underboard every one, but if you have a history, then I think. And Cargill has a history not only in High River, but in other Cargill plants across the country. Yeah, exactly. I, I think we need to know what people in Cargill have against. Yeah. Um, but the Cargill is being sued by people who have been exposed to or potentially exposed to the virus due to this outbreak at their factories. Um, uh, for saying that Cargill is not doing enough to protect people who come into contact with employees and also product. Yeah. Um, and a spokesperson for the company said that the safety of our employees is our top priority. I don't think is it is. Is it really? Uh, I, it I think feel like it. History shows that that is not quite true. Yeah, I see the Cargill name next to the term coronavirus or COVID more than any other company. Yeah, yeah. Like, I highly doubt that. And they're always like, oh, well, we have new measures in place. Do you? <laughs> Maybe like, they do. They're just still not good enough. Yeah. It's like, well, now you got to wear a mask. It doesn't matter if it's over your nose or anything. Just, like, have it somewhere on your yeah. body. <laughs> on your arm. Yeah. That's our new measure. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it doesn't get worse, but I have zero faith in Cargill. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving to my bad times. It looks like Timothy Wilkes, he's a... He's a 20-year-old from Nashville, and he has his YouTube channel, and he was trying to make some content for his YouTube channel, so he thought he'd somehow film a, a prank robbery video where he was carrying a butcher knife, or him and his buddy were carrying a butcher knife. So the group of people that they went up to, I don't know if they weren't all aware, or if none were aware, or if some were aware, but one of them wasn't aware, and that person happened to have a gun and shot him dead. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. So, uh, you know, if you're going to do something like that, which is probably a bad idea in the first place, it is. you yes. should make sure that everybody knows, everybody's in on the joke, especially in the U.S., especially in states where you have concealed carry. Yeah. Moving from Nashville to New York, an NYPD officer is disciplined for having a Trump patch on her uniform. Now I don't. I'm assuming they're not allowed to have any patches on the uniform, and that's the that's the discipline, not the fact that it was a Trump patch. Yeah, probably, and nor should they be allowed to. No, they shouldn't. At least be political. Absolutely, and also it, just a note: she was the only officer in the group of officers in the video that was not wearing her mask properly. Was not over of her course. nose. Of course. So far, the U.S. has administered 39 million doses of the COVID vaccine. You know, if we did that, we'd be done. Yeah. How come we're That's so far true. behind? <laughs> Moving on. Trump is back on social media. He's using an app called Gab to tell Congress oh that the allegations against him cannot be proven. He didn't. I don't think he denied them. He said they can't be proven. So, <laughs> you can't prove that. That's never a good... I've seen that on lots of cop shows. That's It's almost always the guy that's guilty is the one that says you can't prove that. But anyway, I'm not, I'm, I don't know if anyone saw it because this is literally the first time I've ever heard of Gab. <laughs> Me too. And speaking of Trump, and, and I put Trump now in bad times because he's not a politician anymore. He kind of still is, but I don't want to put it in political. That's why I put it up. It was a conscious choice to put yeah, it in no. bad times. 
Trump has been offered Parler, the app that we talked about a few episodes ago, has offered Trump a 40% ownership in the app for exclusive postings. Uh, it's, it's reported. I don't think, I don't know if that's 100% official, but anyway, but Parler is the app that was banned by Google Apps and the Apple Store for being racist and a, a haven for hate speech and stuff. So it's, it's really not a surprising match. No. And, and so they're struggling financially, so they need Trump to uh, put it under know. completely. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what he does with businesses. And the My Pillow guy has made a three-hour documentary called "Absolute Proof" about how the election was fraudulent. Oh, uh, it's going to be streamed on the One America News Network with a disclaimer that it's paid programming and opinion only. And I gotta say, I have a my pillow, and this makes me want to burn it. Uh, I, I honestly, I would not if if I didn't buy it pre-Trump, I would not buy one now. There is no way I would buy a my pillow right now. Yeah. I I want that guy to go away. Yeah, I can you even call it a documentary if it's based in opinion. Uh, probably. Maybe it should be mockumentary. Maybe this will be on the level with uh, Spinal Tap. And, uh, What's that? This is Spinal Tap? Have you not seen that movie? No, I don't really watch a lot of documentaries. It's not. A, it's a mockumentary. It's uh, the same people that did um, oh, Best in Show and uh, uh, what's the other one? It's in there in England or Scotland. Uh, oh, I've remember. heard of Best in Show. Yeah, Best in Show is great. It's Eugene Levy. And he has two left feet, and it's a do about dog shows. And <laughs> Catherine O'Hara might be in it as well. They do a lot together, so that wouldn't surprise me. But uh, but spot, you have to watch Spinal Tap tonight. <laughs> like it's brilliant. It's Carl Reiner, and so Spinal Tap's this band that they follow around in this documentary, and it's it's just I, I can't believe that we've never watched it. We might have to watch it. Uh, the Super Bowl's on tonight. Maybe what do you have? Do you have school this afternoon or rehearsal or what? Uh, this afternoon, I am. Uh, I'm watching a show with a friend of mine. Uh, Spinal Tap. No, Avatar: The Last Airbender. You should watch Spinal Tap after that. Funny. <laughs> Spinal Tap's better. What? No, it won't be. It uh, will but, be. Uh, it's brilliant. It is brilliant. It's. It is. I can't is believe that we've anything? never watched it. What? Is it on anything? It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be. I don't know what, but I'll find it and I'll send you okay. what it's on because you need to watch it. It is really good. And it's all great. Like Christopher, Ge Christopher Guest? I can't remember. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's brilliantly done. Brilliantly done. Now I have a question for you. Why is it okay to label the COVID mutations from where they are from, but not COVID? I don't know that it is. I just uh, everybody does, and nobody says anything about it. That's a that's a good point. You can't call uh, that the UK variation. That's racist against the Brits or nationist well, against the very Brits. Long conversation about if it's possible to be racist against white people, but I don't think we need to get into that. The uh, I don't know another name for it. Well, just call it mutation one, mutation two, mutation three. It's not hard to come up with another name. Yeah. That's fair. No, you make a good point. And nobody says anything. I just I just find it bizarre. It's, well, 
you know, it might be a pick your battles type of thing. And, you know, calling it the UK variant isn't exactly inspiring racist action against white people. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, I, yeah, but I mean, what if a variant comes from, I don't know, whatever, uh, uh, India or, or Pakistan or something? Is it, are they going to call it the Pakistan variant or the India variant or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I just think if you, just be consistent in your naming. If you're not going to call it after where it's from, don't call anything after where it's from. Yeah, it's a it's a valid valid point. There's a kind of hush all over the world tonight. All over the world, you can hear. Okay, all over the world. The Iranian supreme leader says. Well, Biden, first of all, Biden's looking to get back into the, the nuclear deal with Iran. So the Iranian supreme, supreme leader says the U.S. must lift all sanctions if it wants Iran to return to the nuclear deal. The U.S. says they want Iran to go first and to roll back their nuclear progress before they lift all the sanctions. Now, this feels like there's maybe a deal to be made here, like, you know, one, two, three, go, and then, oh, wait, 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 is it one, two, three, then go, or do we go on three? Well, you know, what? it doesn't feel like they're that far off, and they should be able to get this done. Yeah, that, that actually gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, a, second, a second Hong Kong radio host has been arrested for sedition. Um, the tight, Chinese tighten their grip in, in Hong Kong. It's and, and again, nobody's really doing anything about it. Do you think it's, is it sedition really? I, I doubt it. Like it, as much as as much as what happened in in the states not a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. It seems seems like they can just sort of work with impunity down there because nobody wants to piss them off. Yeah, true enough. A teenage stowaway was found in the landing gear of a flight from Kenya to the Netherlands. Uh, he's taken to the hospital with hypothermia because it's really cold when you're up that high. I don't know yeah. how he's still alive. It's it's minus. You look at the you, when you're on a plane. If you look at the outside weather, it's minus forty, minus fifty, and it was an eight-hour flight. How is he alive? Like, that is that's impressive. He must have had a. He must have been wearing a Canada Goose coat or something, because which yeah, which is up. probably hard to get in Kenya. I don't imagine they sell a lot of winter clothing in Kenya. <laughs> Probably not, you're right. So, shocking. They say they don't know how he got there. I'm guessing lax airport security is how he got there. Mm-hmm. And finally, Netanyahu is upset with the International Criminal Court, or the ICC. Now, the ICC has decided that they have jurisdiction over uh, alleged war crimes committed in the Palestinian territories. Netanyahu has called it pure anti-Semitism. A couple things. How can a court decide it has or has not jurisdiction? It seems like... (laughs) Yeah, we can can rule here. Like, what are they going to... No, we can't. Yeah, no, we'll take that, sure. (laughs) It feels like... We'll take that power, yeah. Why not? It feels like that, that somehow somebody else should decide what they can rule on or not. But anyway... What court is above the International Criminal Court? The Super International Criminal Court? The Universal Criminal Court. Yeah. No, I don't know. But what is, I mean, is that a 
the United Na- is it the United Nations court? What is like where I don't know what it is exactly. So maybe the United Nations can decide whether they can proceed or I, I don't know. It just feels like there's a conflict if you're deciding what you can and cannot rule on. But I guess yeah. all courts do that to some extent. Like the Supreme Court has said we won't take a lot of the Trump cases on standing or whatever, right? So that's basically saying we yeah. we don't have the right to rule on them. Yeah. So maybe um, that's maybe that's maybe that's common practice. And and then saying it's anti-Semitism, I, I don't I don't know that it is. I'm sure they rule on lots of lots of uh, potential war crimes, and if there isn't any, I don't know that it was done out of anti-Semitism. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just a line that conservatives in the West and Netanyahu's party in Israel like to use whenever anyone does something against Netanyahu's government or speaks out against it. The problem automatically anti-Semitism. And the real problem is there's enough anti-Semitism in the world. You don't need to start. You know, it becomes the boy that cried wolf, right? Like this calling stuff anti-semitic that on at least on the surface i don't know the judges i'd have to look into it a lot deeper but on the surface doesn't appear to be does not help your case in fact it hurts your case for when you have real anti-semitism yeah absolutely and uh and and it is a problem you know but you see even you know people like bernie sanders who is is jewish has called that out multiple times but and I think he probably gets attacked the least amount for it by Republicans in the U.S. because that's a bad look. <laughs> Attacking a Jewish man for anti-Semitism. It's, it's, a, it's a real problem. Anyway, that's all I got in, in all over the world. It's uh, over to you. Yeah, so last episode, which has not been released yet, but will be released before this one, so it still works out. We talked about a potential coup in my, Myanmar, and then hours after we finish recording the coup happened yeah Yeah, good call it was a coup so the government of Myanmar was overthrown by the military many government leaders including the president were detained but uh, as I said in the last episode I believe it's hard to um, take away democracy after it's been given and the military is learning this as there are massive protests across the country um, in all the major cities and, and, and some smaller surrounding areas. It got to a point yesterday where the insurrectionists shut down the internet in an attempt to create an information blackout, which ramped up the protests and led to today them reopening the internet, which has not quelled the protests, but I think it shows that these protests are already having some sort of effect. Um, they've been growing daily, but have remained peaceful. Yeah, um, it's good. The UN, United Nations chief, has, like I think the chief of the General Assembly, vowed to ramp up international pressure um, to ensure that the coup fails. However, the best part of the coup, in my opinion, has been video of a woman, a PE teacher, who records her um, lessons outside of, I'm guessing, the Capitol Square, Capitol Building something every day. And uh, so there's a video of her doing her, like, workout. It's like a funky dance workout and everything. And it's as the coup happens. 
So she's dancing and looking at the camera, and then she's completely unaware. And behind her, you see the military vehicles with their light flashing, come like whipping around the corner, head towards the Capitol building, and she's just there like dancing away with her little poppy workout. And either she doesn't notice or she doesn't acknowledge that it's happening behind her because she's so committed. And uh, <laughs> it's a great video. It is. You should look it up. It's it is a brilliant video. The the a couple things. Maybe it was a trick of perspective. I expected the army vehicles to whip around the corner. I thought they were traveling quite slow for something that was, that was you know, they're on their way to, to take over a government. It felt like they were at least obeying the speed limits, maybe a little under. <laughs> and secondly, I, I had a lot of PE classes and no, we never did any sort of, uh, I don't know what she was doing, the funky chicken or something. I, we never did anything like that. We did we focus more on sports than dance. Yeah, I don't know. But no, the, the, the people, you know, the military, dad, they're, they're insurrectionists. They're not speeders. Like, come <laughs> it's on, it's a line. There's a line. Overthrowing the government, sure, but speeding is dangerous. That's right. They all have their seatbelts on. Yeah, exactly. One guy pulled out his phone. He's like, put that away. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then in France, a court in France, a national court, ruled that the government isn't doing enough to address climate change. This came after four NGOs sued the government saying that they're not doing enough to meet their own goals and that they have a, a duty to. And the court sided with them, saying that the government does have a duty to you know, protect the planet, protect the country for the future of French citizens, blah, 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 um, and, and sided with the four NGOs. But they said they won't make the government pay any sort of reparations Instead, they will come out with that they will make the government do more to address climate change. And they gave themselves two months to do some research and figure out what those best things are and then come back and say, hey, government, this is what you have to do. So a French court is going to solve climate change in two months. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's a little bit gentler than that. Uh, it's how do we meet the goals that are set by the government, you know, which isn't a solve, but it's. A reduction, but it is. It still does seem like a little bit ambitious. So really, all the government has to do is change their goals, and then it's fine. Perhaps I don't know the, if there's that easy of a workaround. We'll see. The courts might be like, no, 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 you can't do that. But yeah, we'll see. But of course they um, can. It's the government. The, the yeah. courts enforce the rules which are put in place by the governments. Now they can find them unconstitutional. You know, if, if there's a if there's sort of a backdrop that you're working against. But even then. Governments can force stuff through and say yes, but in spite of that, we're doing it. Depending on the country, but yeah. Well, in Canada. Um, yes, no, in Canada you can. There's the notwithstanding clause, but not every country has that. Right. But anyway, one thing I thought interesting, though, is that the court made the government pay each non-governmental organization one euro, which is called the symbolic euro, and is actually quite a common practice in France. In France. To, to pay the defendant one symbolic euro. Is it bigger than, is it like one of those oversized <laughs> checks? I don't think so. I think it's like legal currency, but it's a sim it's symbol to give the one. But why? Uh, I'm sure it's legal currency. I was just making a joke. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. Well, like, why? It happens, in, it happens in our courts, too. At least it happens in movies the, and TV shows. No, it happens that, uh, you know, the, I, an episode of some court show, they were found guilty, but 
fines were a dollar or something because they they were guilty but guilty with an explanation and you know I don't remember what it was probably Law and Order or something yeah but but that's this this the, this seems to me though is just like it's not reduced fine because there's an explanation or anything like that it's just a, a common practice for the 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 loser to give the winner a euro yeah it's like, like it's, why one actually it's, you don't need the symbolism you've won and there will be real consequences what's the point it's like trading places have you seen that movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy no oh man I feel like I've failed as a parent. Yeah, the, so many uh, movies have come out since these movies came out. Like, I can't watch everything. They, uh, two guys that are a big, you would like it because it's about, it's kind of, it's kind of the GameStop uh, story. It's the original GameStop story. <laughs> so the, you should, you should watch it. I don't want to, I don't want to give you too much away because it's a good movie. And Eddie, Eddie Murphy, so Donkey and Dan Aykroyd. Right, good yeah, act, no, good cast, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, okay. yeah. I also like Jamie Lee. Yeah, very good movie. You should watch it. Watch Spinal Tap first, then Trading Places. Okay. You want to go or? Uh, sure. No, you go first. You go first. All right. In New York, the last Congress seat may be decided. It looks like the Republican Claudia Tenney is about to be certified as the victor, winning by 109 votes, which is pretty close. Uh, Although they say the, the, the Democrat Anthony Brindisi is expected to appeal, so maybe it's not decided quite yet and i would argue i mean i think this is the last seat where nobody is seated so technically it's like yeah the last one without a certified victor but i would argue iowa's second congressional district which is the one where the republican won by six votes isn't quite settled because the republican is seated temporarily and then the house is going to look at that election right so it's not Um, quite done yet either no, yeah, so it's not done. But but New York's 22nd district it had nobody seated. Iowa's second. The the Republican woman is seated, and she's, like, you know, a member of Congress. But that could change once the House looks at it, and it might switch to the Democrat. Uh, I noticed you had a uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene story as well, but I don't think they overlap, so... She's... No, that's why I said you go first, because mine kind of happens after yours. Yeah, so she has admitted that... 9-11 actually happened, which I guess is a step forward. Uh, I, I, I think it was Seth Meyers, but it might have been Stephen Colbert who said, uh, you know, those of us who live in New York who watched as the buildings burned and fell live are so happy to hear that you admitted that it happened. Yeah, that was Stephen Colbert. Uh, and she said she doesn't believe in QAnon anymore, at least not that much, because she followed the statement up by saying... Big media companies can take teeny tiny pieces of words that I said, that you've said, any of us, and can portray us into someone that we're not. Nah, I think it's someone that she is. I, I don't yeah. think they do that. They they take full sentences 
and just quote them. So uh, I don't think that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, she also said, I haven't said any of these things since I've been elected to Congress. These were words of the past. <laughs> it's been three months. Yeah. Is she a totally different person in three months? Yeah. And she says all this while wearing her free speech mask. It's just enough to drive you off the deep end. Like, how how did she get elected? This is sad. Yeah. And she also said in a difference conference, speaking about Trump and the trial, she said he stood for America and remembered the forgotten man. Now, what? who do you think the forgotten man is? I'm thinking that's what I think it is, right? Like that is that's got to be code for white people. Yeah, like it's not even that complex a code. Yeah, no, coming from her, everyone knows exactly what she means. Yeah, and then she, right after she said that, she said he didn't care about your skin color because God created us all equal. And just with the statement before, I just think that that's BS. Like, it you can't have it both ways. I, you know what? I think uh, Trump didn't care about uh, your skin color. He thought everyone was equally beneath him. <laughs> and he was going to screw over. No matter what your skin color, I'm going to screw all over equally. Uh, I think he... I don't know about that. I think he did care about your skin color. I think there's no question he was a racist. Well, yes. But I don't think... I think above being a racist, he was just an asshole. Yes, fair. <laughs> Which, like, being one does make... Like, being the former does automatically make you the latter. But I would say, you know, it's not like he was good to white people as well. Yeah. Well, so some. Over too. There's very fine people on every side. <laughs> there you go. The first midterm election ads aired in the U.S. by Democrats. And really, do we need two years of ads? Do you have to... That's... That's the crazy thing about the fact that the House of Representatives faces election two years and that American elections are so bloody long. They're just always campaigning. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, if I was voting, it would it would seriously make me think I'm not going to vote for the Democrats. They've already got ads up. Come on. It's two years away. Well, I, what are you going to do, vote for the Republicans right now? <laughs> I would vote for some other third party probably, but... but independent or something yeah it's just so frustrating like they just literally just finished the election can yeah, we I have know, i know it's, can we have six imagine, months of no election imagine, ads imagine how much more work they could do if they weren't constantly campaigning yeah exactly i i know that they've set it out so that you know the house of representatives every two years the president's every four years in the senate a third of the senate is every six years i understand that you did like you know by twos but when the Founding Fathers, if they were the ones who set that out, I don't know if that was from the beginning, but if they were the ones who set that out, they probably weren't imagining... Two years' that, worth of ads. Yeah, of campaigns. Yeah, no like, way. Like, they were probably imagining two weeks. Like, you know, you were a representative, you were in Washington representing your district, and then, uh, you know, a month before the election, you took your carriage to get back to your home <laughs> state... And then you campaigned for like two weeks just on platforms in the. They called it a fortnight back then. Sorry? They called it a fortnight back then. Yes. You you did your little campaign, you were elected, 
you were reelected and you took your carriage back or you lost and you you know were home so you just stayed but like you know it was a two-week campaign not a two-year campaign yeah no, i agree and also how effective can it be like if i saw an ad on january 6th for an election that's going to take place in 2023 who remembers it who cares 2022 like, 2022 yeah okay yeah. but still it's just the end of 2022 yeah. Yes. No, uh, it is ridiculous. And that's why I like in Canada, you have your established campaign season, and it is illegal to campaign outside of that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And they should do that in the States because, honestly, it's also a huge waste of money. It is. It is a huge waste of money. And, and they already uh, have a trillion-dollar deficit, so why don't they? Uh, why don't they save a little bit? Put a little bit in the bank. Well, they, they have private elections. Who? The federal government doesn't pay for party ads or anything like that. They have private elections. Oh, okay. Um, but the, I mean, obviously, the federal government pays for, like, you know, the vote counters and the machines and everything. But as far as campaign goes, you have to pay for your own and fund Yeah, this. but the, the, whatever whatever money they're putting towards the, uh, the ads, they could donate to pay down the deficit. And they'd get a tax yeah, or, break. Or, or charity or something, yeah. It's a big waste. Moving on, Liz Cheney, a Republican who voted for impeachment, explained why in an interview with Chris Wallace. And, and she said at one point, we are the party of responsibility. We are the party of truth. I feel like that's pushing it. Has she, has she, yeah. has she looked at her party recently? Honestly, I would say that that would have been a stretch as far back as the Reagan years. But especially recently, can you say that? And this is what, you know, people are saying in your next party starts to go to this. Some people are saying there's a GOP civil war. Yeah, and they should make a movie. Like, is. Oh, Sorry? yeah, they should make a movie like the X-Men. <laughs> GOP civil war. Yeah, not um, X-Men, Avengers. Avengers, yeah. Captain America Civil War, GOPs, yeah. yeah. Um, and I agree. It's It's, you know, it's the Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney kind of Republicans versus the, you know, Trump uh, Republicans. I don't know. Is, is Liz Cheney, uh, maybe, is she better, uh, better? Is she more left, left-leaning than her father was? I don't think so. But there's more, and, and I, w- I mean, I wouldn't even say Mitt Romney is more left-leaning. Just there's more, um, decorum and respect for political norms. Okay. And I don't want to say Dick Cheney wasn't racist, but less racist. <laughs> you know? Isn't that uh isn't that like being less pregnant? <laughs> Arguably. And and that's the thing is is you know all these you know the, the Romney and Cheneys and stuff they're they're looking at this new sort of Republican Party and scoffing at it, but it is the Republican Party they birthed. Yeah. And they set the stage for this to happen. Yeah. Liz Cheney's father was a big part of setting that stage. He was the stage manager. Yes. Setting up everything. And then now they're looking at the show and being, this isn't us. I'm like, this is exactly what you called for. Yeah. And that is why, you know, the Romneys and the Cheneys are on the losing side of this war, this civil war. Yeah, well, speaking of that, in a survey done recently, uh, end of January, 
64% of GOP voters said they would join a Trump-led new party. 15% of Democrats also said they would join a Trump-led new party. Yeah, that's weird. The the poll was conducted by Hill Harris Exxon and uh, and had 945 registered voters, which feels like an insignificant amount when there's um, 170 million registered voters. So maybe I mean they could have just called, they could have done the voting in some you know some sort of deep south state or something. And but 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 either way, it has has consistently been uh, a significant. I've seen polls like this before, not necessarily exactly that, but similar. And it's consistently said that Trump would take away a significant portion of GOP voters. Yeah. The 15% of Democratic voters surprised me. That surprises me too, but I I don't think the Democrats would care. I think they would say it's a small price to pay to chop the GOP in half. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the impeachment trial starts Wednesday, so that should be fun. And also, I meant to actually do a little bit more research onto this because I was reading an article, and that's when I started this last point. But uh, and then I meant to go look up the article and then you called. So I didn't. But Justin Trudeau may have actually screwed up the vaccine acquisition a little bit after all. Not him personally, but his government. Looks like very early on in this, we were aligned with a Chinese manufacturer, Canvin or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. And then after we sort of agreed to do this deal with them, they withdrew. And it's it's said they probably they they think they withdrew because of the. Meng Wenzhou uh, situation, yeah, which is which is really a lack of any sort of foresight. What made you think that they would go through with this if you have a Huawei vice president in your custody? Yeah, kind of feel uh, silly now for criticizing the Mexicans for going with Sputnik Five last week. Yeah, I, I don't know why. And also, why would you? I wouldn't want to take a, the Chinese virus any more than I'd want to take the Sputnik virus. It's a Sputnik vaccine. vaccine. Yeah, well. Yeah. vaccine virus whatever they're putting in the vials in russia i don't know but uh and 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 this leads to another thing why there there was apparently again early on a company in montreal that said we can make the vaccine and the government shut them down they said no yeah why don't why are not we should be making the vaccine we should be making a vaccine in canada well we've started we're going to be the a, a Novax vaccine in Montreal. It was announced on February second. Okay, good. I think that might. Um, which is what's the company? Novax. Okay. Novavax. Yeah, that might have been the company that said back in December, or they said they could have. I can't remember exactly how many millions up out by the end of December last year. Yeah. Well. Health Canada received, if it is the same company, they received a Novavax data application for approval on January 29th. That's um, probably not the same company then. There was so, this was something in the year before. It doesn't matter. Either way, the... Uh, Either way, yeah. You know, there was, there was options that obviously were, to me, obviously better options than, than relying... You always want to be in a situation where you're not relying on some other country to to ship you the goods there's it's really we should have after sars we should have had something in canada ready to make vaccines somewhere in the country yeah ready to go yeah i agree and that's all i got yeah well you know going back to marjorie taylor green for a second uh 
you sort of mentioned her House floor speech that happened right before the vote on whether or not to strip her of her uh, committee roles, the most prominent of which was on the House Labor and Education Committee. And so the House voted, and they voted to remove her from her committee roles. Every Democrat, plus 11 Republicans, voted to strip her of the roles. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> That goes too far. I don't think they should do that in Congress. Every other Republican, except for the 11, almost none of which were notable, voted to keep her. And then House Minority Leader and Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy said to the Democrats, you'll regret this, and you may regret this sooner than you think. Is, and that, is he a mobster? I, right? And that's such a big problem in American politics, is it's like, you're doing something that we think is bad, but now that you've done it, we're going to do it too. Is like, that what they're going to try to do? That Well, that, that, that's, that, that was their whole argument. Because I watched some of the different representatives talking before the vote and a lot of republicans were like if democrats set this precedent once the majority changes who knows what's going to happen you know those kind of veiled threats yeah you know they're like democrats you're in charge now and you can do this but once we're back in charge you want to see what happens then and it is this vague threats and what I, and, and, it's and not it even that vague off. it's a overt threat yeah it is you're right you're right and and it drives me bonkers because don't stand up and rally against how wrong this is and then also say, but we're going to do it next time now that you've done it. Yeah, not not at all surprising. No, it's it's not. And that's the problem in American politics. And it's both parties. Yeah. Both parties are equally guilty of it. Yeah. And this is a – and if you had 11 Republicans join your vote in a – such a partisan world, then you're you probably have the moral high ground. I think probably and and you know it was to my understanding it was an unprecedented move for the House majority to force the minority party to remove somebody from a committee. It was unprecedented because apparently it's always been happened internally. It's not the first time that somebody's been removed from a committee based on comments and such. Yeah, they but they asked McCarthy to, and he refused. Yeah, exactly. That was going to be my point. And that Democrats are saying, this wasn't our first course of action. We said, we don't think this is appropriate. Remove her, take some sort of action, and you refuse. You refuse to take an a, a, a action, and we don't think this can stand, so this is what we have to do. And one of the things Republicans said was like, let's send it to the Ethics Committee and see what they say. And I kind of thought, well, maybe that would have been a first step that should have been taken. Yeah, probably. But uh, Is she on the ethics committee? Yeah, I don't think so. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the ethics committee is controlled by Democrats. What, are they, what's, what, what is the ethics committee going to come out and say? Yeah, you know, but it's, like, it's just a step that probably should have been taken. Just as yes, a agreed. Formality. Agreed, it probably should have been. But I don't think the outcome would have been the same, and I don't think the Republicans' arguments would have changed. Probably not, but this way you just have a bit more of a backstop as a Democrat saying, you know, we went through all these steps. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I do agree. It should have been sent to the Ethics Committee. Um, I would have, and, and that was the one argument that they said where I thought, yeah, maybe you're right. But I'm not too mad about it because something did need to be done. This is horrendous. Like, yeah, horrendous, she's, she's, she is crazy. Yeah, and, and some of the Republicans were like, why are we holding people to House standards for things they said before they were members of the House? 
And I was just like, because you don't become a different person when you get elected to Congress. Yeah, it is. Uh, that is that's not a bad argument, though. I mean, maybe if you're talking years ago, but it, it was right before she got elected. It wasn't yeah. years before she got elected. It was months before she got elected. Yeah, and it's... But, I mean, but, but uh, from the other side, those comments were there, and she was still elected. So she is an elected official. The population yeah. sent her there. If she didn't say them once she was in the House, maybe... Maybe she will say something that'll get her kicked off. Maybe they should have just waited for that. Yeah, just like, you know, chilled. Because I, I think they might be, that point, yeah, it, I, I think that might be true. Yeah. Now, here's, okay, so here's the thing, though. You know, we say she was elected. She did run unopposed. Well, that's the Democrats' fault. Well, they actually, they had somebody uh, who withdrew at the last minute. Why? Was so, his life threatened or something? Why would you withdraw? Well, I, I don't know. But I would say that kind of makes the election perhaps a little less. Well, listen, it's up to the Democrats to put a good candidate in there and run against her. If they didn't do that, that's not her fault. She was elected, legally elected. Yeah. So yeah. so to, to do what they did is going against the will of the people, if you will. Well, they didn't fire her. She's still a, a yeah. A she's a congressman, but she got sent there from that from those people. If they and and, they, and she gets to stay and represent those people. She's yeah. just not on a uh, House and Labor Education Committee. Is everybody? Well, the education one I get. I know that that was kind of crazy that anybody thought it was a good idea to put her on. How do you get it? Do you volunteer for a committee or do you get voluntold for committees? I don't know. Uh, I know that you get membership on committees based on, like, percentage of the House you hold and that parties decide who fills those seats. So I imagine it's I imagine at the end it's not your decision, but if you go up to the leader and be like, hey, I want to sit on this committee, if there's room, they'll be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, anybody who thought that they should put her on the education committee is is pretty, you know, she's the, she's the she said the shootings were a false flag, right? The. The yeah. Parkdale shootings. Like maybe she shouldn't be, shouldn't have much to do with education. But anyway. Yeah, and and it's not two committees. The labor and education committee is one committee. Oh, is it? Yes. I thought she got kicked off two different committees, though. I think she was on a second committee, but it was the education one that people were really up in arms about. Oh, okay. Anyway, so yeah, she's done uh, on those committees, and we'll see. Moving on, the Democrats. Um, um, the Senate called for Trump to testify, and to everybody's great shock, he said no. Because uh, he's, he's taking the fifth? Yeah, the whole process unconstitutional, and he doesn't want to testify in an unconstitutional trial. I don't want to... Honestly, though, I don't want to see Trump testify. That would just be painful. I do. It'd be, it's, it, would be, uh, it would be brilliant. I can't imagine him sitting there calmly taking questions from senators. No, I think it would be awesome. Oh, this would be, it would be great. That would be compelling television. I know, but a, a, a trial shouldn't be compelling to television. No, probably not. And then Republicans aren't going to ask any meaningful questions. Not that they are anyway, but they'll just do more, you know, kissing up. 
and it just oh it would drive me crazy yeah. I couldn't I wouldn't be able to do it so who cares he wasn't going to contribute anything well he might have accidentally confessed no I think he would have he would have definitely confessed <laughs> he does it all the time that's but it doesn't matter why, uh, he, that's probably the real reason why his lawyers were like you cannot listen look me in the eye Donald <laughs> you cannot you will accidentally confess to everything <laughs> But it won't matter because he still will have to have a vote, and it'll st- still get. They'll still win. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be shocking because he could go in there and knows. say you are a hundred percent right. I did all of this, and leave, and th- he would still he would still not get impeached. Yeah, or sorry, he would right. lose it the would impeachment just trial. Be the same five Republican senators that voted to say it was constitutional, and yeah. you know the rest. Yeah, so he's already so been impeached, but he wouldn't he wouldn't lose the trial. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, Republicans in the U.S. have started to attack Biden on the Keystone cancellation, with uh, Ted Cruz bringing it up during uh, Pete Buttigieg's uh, confirmation hearing. And uh, so they're starting to use it, but it's not a very strong attack because there's just it's not the same. It's not that big of a deal in the U.S. Yeah. It's just not the political capital. Like, he, he wouldn't. He would lose more than he would gain by reversing it. So the Republicans are going to attack him. It's not a very strong attack because they don't really care. But what's interesting is Joe Manchin, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, has said he respectfully disagrees with the decision. To nobody's shock, he's always supported the pipeline, and he's always supported the coal industry in Virginia, or West Virginia. You know, he doesn't deny climate change, but he seems to not want to take any action to do anything about it. And I think it's interesting because he's going to be now the ranking member and the, the chair of now the Democrats are in control of the uh, Senate Energy Committee, huh. and that's you know he he has, it's, it's, my you know it's good to have people that don't necessarily agree with you on committees and heading up committees and stuff. So he'll get Biden will get both sides of an argument when he makes decisions. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's much of another side to an argument when it comes to climate change anymore. Things have to get done. And I don't want somebody who's going to argue to not do things heading up a committee on the second biggest polluter in the world. You know, if he wants to go be in charge of something else where he disagrees with Biden, sure. But I would say energy is too important. Yeah, well, I mean, they have lots of people there that are calling for, is it, do you mention this later? Calling for Biden to, not just Schumer anymore, but Sanders and a few others are calling for Biden to call an emergency on the climate change, so... Yeah, so we'll see if that happens. Yeah, we'll see. There's a push for um, it. Keeping in the U.S., Justin Trudeau had his first phone call with Vice President Kamala Harris. And Harris, unprompted in that phone call, told Trudeau that the U.S. will do everything it can to secure the release of the two Michaels being detained in China. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, the fact that she brought it up was nice. Yeah. Some sort of... Makes me a little bit hopeful. Well, yeah, because we kind of did them a favor by arresting this woman that's been here forever now like it feels like yeah. years yeah because it has been it's been two yeah have the trial already get it get her get it done one way or the other yeah so that was nice but moving back to canada jagmeet singh leader of the ndp has said that the government an ndp government which will never happen but an ndp <laughs> government would convene provincial and territorial leaders experts and workers to set national standards for nursing homes and tether those benchmarks to $5 billion in federal funding. This being, you know, um, 
the NDP's solution to all the problems that uh, COVID has exposed in long-term care, especially in Ontario, but across the country. An NDP and, government uh, would ride to their offices on unicorns. Yes, exactly. So yeah, um, and it's a similar strategy to healthcare. You know how we have national healthcare standards, and that's how the federal government makes the provincial government give out free healthcare. So they're like, you know, yeah, you're in charge of healthcare, so you can kind of do whatever you want. But if you don't meet these standards, we're not going to give you billions of dollars in federal funding. So it's it's not an unprecedented move. He's just bringing in more, and I honestly think it sounds like a good idea yeah. because there's a big problem and it needs to be fulfilled. But it's interesting. I uh, I can't believe. I think the problem isn't the problem though. There is there is minimum standards for these nursing homes. It's just there's nobody to check them, and or very few people to check them. So they just are constantly not hit. Yeah, I just don't know if there na- there are national standards. Um, maybe not national, but you know, adding another layer of standards isn't going to solve the problem. Yeah, you're right. It, it would need something to be checked. But you know, it's interesting talking about NDP government. I did a little. I've had a lot of spare time since there's no school. I did a little experiment the other day where I sort of went through a lot of Canada's seats, and I went off of two thousand. What I did is I went off of two thousand eleven, which was the NDP's best ever election. They became official opposition. Yeah, and I gave them. Every seat, using like a little uh, uh, map online that they have, just Canada's federal districts, and you can assign them to whoever. I gave them every seat that they won in 2011. And then I gave them every seat they won in 2015, and every seat they won in 2019, and topped it off with every seat that 338 Canada gives them a greater than 0% chance of winning. So that goes into, like, they have a 1% chance of winning the seat, but it's greater than zero. Yeah. And with all those seats, the NDP wins a plurality of seats, more than any other party, but it's 123. Right. Which is nowhere near the 170 you need. For a majority. To, for a majority. Yeah. So they would have to work with... So best case scenario right now, you know, and, and they, they... Listen, the ones that they won in... Some of the ones I gave them that they won in 2011, they have a basically 0% chance of winning according to 338, but uh, I gave it to them thinking, you know, the support is there somewhere. It, uh, you know, it's probably sitting in the block right now, but maybe with the right campaign it can shift back. But I figured, you know, there is the support to drum up that you, if you can change enough minds. Um, so, but clearly there's a lot more work to do for the NDP because they would have to basically, I mean, you're so far away from a majority that you're basically, you can't do what the liberals are doing, which is just like, you know, skate by from legislation to legislation, asking parties individually to help you based on which one you think they'll side with you on. You almost have to form a coalition government. Yeah. Oh, they wouldn't. I mean, it's just not going to happen. The NDP winning a minority? Yeah. Yes, no, you're right. It won't. So it's, you know, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah. No, this, anyway, is, this is why they won't, this is why they won't call the election because I, I think I said it a couple episodes ago, this is literally the most power they're going to have in any, almost any parliamentary situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with you. But then keeping in Canada, in what was considered a very bad year for global democracies, according to the Economist's um, Intelligence Unit's uh, Global Democracy Report. 
for 2020. It was released recently. Sounds like they're talking about um, wines. <laughs> it's a bad year for that one. Yeah, so it's a very bad year for global democracies. But in this bad year, Canada moved up two slots and ranks as the fifth best democracy in the world, overtaking Finland and Denmark. What did Finland and Denmark do to move down? I, I, I don't know what the actions are, but uh, Denmark, it, Denmark actually remained the same. Uh, Ireland and Finland moved down, which bumped Canada up two slots. But it's ranked based on five categories, electoral process and pluralism, functioning of government, political participation, political culture, and civil liberties. And then you get a score out of 10 under each of those categories. And then you get an overall score out of 10. And in the top 11, Canada, sorry, in the top 10, Canada is the only country whose democracy improved. Oh, wow. We, and it, the score improved minutely. It went up by 0 0.02. Right. But everybody else's score uh, decreased until you hit 11th place, where Taiwan improved by 1.21 and shot up 20 slots. Oh, good for Taiwan. <laughs> yeah. They, Way they to go. Good democracy here. Who were the uh, top four? Who beat us? Sorry? Who, are the, who beat us? Who were the top four? I was about to say, Norway is number one, Iceland is two, Sweden is three, and New Zealand is four. I thought, all of that's them, shocking. I uh, thought New Zealand would be one. Yeah, well, they're, they're all close. I mean, the overall scores, Norway's 9.81, Iceland's 9.37, Sweden's 9.26, and New Zealand's 9.25. And we are... 9.24. Oh, New Zealand just beat us. Yeah, barely. Oh, buggers. Um, but I will say the top four all have proportional representation. Right. And where they really beat us, at least Norway, Iceland, and New Zealand score a 10 on electoral process and pluralism, while as us and Sweden, who is in third, but uh, we in Sweden only score a 9.58. Right. We also uh, don't do too well in political culture. The top three all scored 10, but we scored higher than New Zealand. And uh, What is yeah, political so, culture? I don't know. Okay. Um, but uh, whatever. It's interesting. They also categorize, based on your score, they categorize regime type um, into four categories. Full democracy, flawed democracy, hybrid regime, authoritarian regime. Yeah. And the U.S., didn't move. It didn't shift its place at all. It remains at 25th and is considered a flawed democracy. Huh. Not according to them. No, no. They're the greatest democracy in the world, according to them. But the U.S. was beat by Taiwan, uh, Uruguay, Chile, Costa Rica, Mauritius, and uh, Spain and South Korea are all considered full democracies over the U.S., uh, some of the, I don't know about that. Uh, there might be a flaw in their voting, in their in their scoring system. Well, the countries might not be doing well, but you know it's the electoral process. But but uh, anyway, uh, the worst country in the world uh, for democracy is shocker North Korea. Oh, <laughs> it scored a one point eight overall. <laughs> How to get that high? <laughs> well, it has a zero in electoral process, but it has a two point five in functioning of government and seems high. it has a one 
Sorry? Seems high. Yeah. It has a 1.6 in political participation <laughs> and a 1.25 in political culture, but then a zero in civil liberties. That's funny. The second worst is Democratic Republic of the Congo. Where's China? China? Uh, da, da, da. I... China uh, ranks 151st out of 167. Oh, so it's down there. Yeah. It beats out Iran, Eritrea, Burundi, Uzbekistan, Saudi Arabia, Libya, Yemen, Tajikistan, Equatorial Guinea, Laos, Turkmenistan, Chad, Syria, Central African Republic, the DRC, and then North Korea. All right. Yeah. thought that was interesting. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. All right, and now we move on to Closer to Fine. I have one real quick thing. After months of it getting pushed off and delayed and everything, I personally will be starting in-person classes for the first time since, uh, or regularly for the first time since March on Monday. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, I'll believe it when I'm in the room. I'll believe it when I'm in the room because we were supposed to start doing in-person stuff on this past Monday. And then we got an email like Sunday from our director who we were going to be working with all week saying, uh, well, we're just going to be doing book work for this first week. So let's be online this whole first week. <laughs> I was all prepped and ready to go and that night. Like, ah, we'll be online. So, you know, uh, and, you know, we were supposed to start January 4th and then we were supposed to start January 11th. You know, it just keeps getting pulled out from under us at the last minute. So I'll believe it when I'm in the room. We'll it looks, it we'll feels see. like it's close, though. They think you'd get an email before too much longer if it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Well, again, we'll see. We'll what see. are you? We'll what see. are you rehearsing for? Uh, we're doing um, scenes. No, not one of your plays. No, no, we don't start that until I'm not in one of the shows until uh, Studio Two. Studio One is half the class that I'm not in. The uh, so I'm just in a scene for uh, um, a, a director. Uh, it's, it's it's like little black box theater. Right, it's not right, that right, big. right, right. I remember now. We talked about this before. Yeah. Well, also, you got approved for your graduation or something, right? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so I will be graduating come the spring. That's nice. How can they say that when you still have a semester to do? They just assume you're going to pass this semester. Uh, Yes. Okay. That's good. <laughs> That's exciting. But you're saying it, it right as of now, it's looking like nobody's allowed to attend the graduation? Yeah, we'll learn more about that later. Um, but I, I, it looks like nobody's going to, yes. Well, that kind of blows. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I've been in, in Saskatoon now for uh, somewhere 20-something days. I don't know exactly. I've been Ubering everywhere, which I've liked. I think I said that last week. I enjoy the Uber more than the cabs. However, uh, I decided, and I don't know what made me take so long, but I talked to the hotel, and because I've been here so long, I get some perks, and they agreed to uh, give me a parking spot, which is normally 15 or 20 bucks a night, but, you know, when you stay a month and a half, they, they give you some some advantages. So I got a parking spot for nothing, which means if I, you know, you can rent a car for 35 bucks a day, it basically costs the same as an Uber, and I should have done this from the beginning. It's just so much more freeing knowing that if I need to, I can go somewhere 
you know, I just hop in the car and go. Yes, I rented the car yesterday. I went to Costco. I went to the grocery store, did a bit of driving. Then I came, went to lunch and then came back to the hotel. And it's just like, oh, this was this is a good idea. I don't know why <laughs> I didn't do this before. And now the end is near. Parting thoughts. And first thing I'm going to do is I have a shout out to Yasser, a, a guy I used to work with, Yasser Sheikh. He, uh, we were talking about another issue, and he said, "I've been keeping up with you by listening to your podcast." Uh, so he's one of. He's, I said, "Oh, you're the one." Does he live in Ohio? No, he lives in Ontario. Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> and then, so, so anyway, hi, Yasser. Uh, moving on, Christopher Plummer passed away this past week, and in uh, a statement that I liked on on why he took the roles he took, he said. For a long time, I accepted parts that took me to attractive places in the world. Rather than shooting in the Bronx, I would rather go to the south of France, crazed creature that I am. And so I sacrificed a lot of my career for nicer hotels and more attractive beaches. Which I thought was awesome. And, yeah. And, you know, and I, like, you know what, fair. I'm sure, I'm sure the Bronx is like, hey, why are you this in the Bronx? But, you know. Yeah. Still, it's uh, south of France, Bronx... It's a, there's not many places that compare to the south of France. But anyway, a great actor, and uh, sad to see him go. But, you know, I, I always have to say, though, 91 years old, very distinguished career, passed away in his sleep. Hard yeah. to live a better life. Yeah, yeah. And oldest oldest Oscar winner ever. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I mean, he did roles from, you know, Sound of Music to Star Trek. Yeah. Like a, a wide variety and very distinguished career. Yeah. So, yeah, well done. Uh, second day in a row in Saskatoon. It's below minus 30 degrees. And uh, I gotta say, come on, smarten up. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know. It's not pleasant. It's so cold. It's not much better here. Oh. Uh, you know, we're getting into real winter. February is always so cold. And it's almost mean because, like, it's been winter for so long already. And then they hit you with the really bad cold. Yeah. It's been winter. It's so long that you feel like it should start to lighten up now. You're like, I have earned some warmer weather. And that's when they smack you with the coldest no. of it all. February is always the worst month. March is when it starts yeah. to turn around. I changed hotels this trip from, I stayed at the first place for two nights. And there was two reasons why I changed. The main one being that the restaurant here is open for breakfast. And, uh, you know, when I'm working all day, I like to have a decent breakfast. So that was one yeah. of the reasons. But the other reason which wasn't completely insignificant, was this hotel puts two bottles of water in my room every day, which I drink every day. And, yeah. and over the past week, there's been a, a water shortage, apparently. I don't think there has been. I haven't heard of it. Maybe just they forgot to buy some, if that's what they mean, but then go to a grocery store. They all have water. Yeah. And uh, so so it's been a bit annoying, but I, I've... I've well, this brings me actually to another point. So I've, I've decided, you know, the tap water here isn't awful. So I've been drinking tap water in the meantime. But I need, the, you know, the cups they give you, those little tiny plastic cups, which you sort of drink and gone, and then you need to go fill it up, fill it up, fill it up again. So I thought, well, I'll go get some sort of holding device for water. Yes. A cup, a big cup. Yes. So I was... This is pre-car. If I had the car, I would have gone to Costco or I would have gone to a grocery store or whatever. But I didn't have the car, so I didn't feel like getting in an Uber. So walking distance, there's a Starbucks. So 
I ended up with a big Starbucks mug, which is a super nice mug. I'll show it to you, even though the audience can't see it. Nice, Very nice. nice. I can it's confirm it's, it's that a, it is nice. It's a big black mug. It's kind of got like the the uh, uh, what's that that stealth ship? You know, it's got the stealth ship waffle cone kind of uh, feel to it on the outside. It's a nice mug. I like it. But I looked at the bottom. And I, I think it said like 18 or $19, which I thought, wow, that is a ridiculous amount for a cup, but uh, I don't have anywhere else to go. I really need a cup. I need water. I like to have water at night. I'll, I'll take it home. I'll use it at home. You know, it's it, what was I expecting to pay? 12 so it's $7 more than that. Fine, I'll buy it. So I went up and I bought it. And it came up as like, some, like way more than that. And then I... I wasn't paying attention because I got a chai tea at the same time, so I yeah. didn't. I wasn't really paying attention. But then, I, as I was leaving, I'm like, "That's way more expensive than it should have been." And I looked at the receipt, and and it was more than nineteen dollars. And I looked at the bottom of the cup again to look at the price tag, and I realized it has the U.S. and the Canadian price on their sticker for Starbucks. I'm like, "Why? Why do you need to put that? How much it is in U.S. dollars in Canada? Yeah. Nobody cares." It was very misleading. And the U.S. one was first. So that's the only one I looked at. So it was, you know, 30% more than what that thing said. So that yeah. was that was disappointing because I probably would have, if, if it was, if I knew, if I'd known, I probably would have just kept drinking out of the little hotel cups. But yeah, anyway, now I have a nice mug, but I, I feel bad that I paid that and much. you have to use it for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's a lifetime cup. <laughs> it's a lifetime cup for sure. <laughs> and, and. Last week, you know, I was thinking you said uh, lukewarm, and I, I I was wondering where lukewarm came from. And then is Luke like is it Luke like the boy's name? And then is it sexist? Should we be saying Leowarm or some other genderless name like Patwarm? <laughs> Although Patwarm kind of sounds rude. I don't know. <laughs> but is Luke is there something wrong with lukewarm? And where did it come from? I don't know. It's weird. Lukewarm came from the fact that Luke derived from Lou or Luke or Lauk in Middle English, which meant tepid. Oh, really? So people named Luke are really called tepid? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's, it's you're like, like um, you're like medium. Like, uh, <laughs> Most names like are stately. Um, it's like you're like medium. <laughs> no, it's 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 more of um, the pronunciation changed, and then they changed the spelling. Because uh, it used to be L-E-W-K. Oh, that's way cooler. They should have left it like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Oh, they should have left it like L-E-W-K. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. That's all I got. Yeah. Interesting. I never thought of that. Oh, well, I got one thing, and I almost put it in bad times, but I put it in parting thoughts because I kind of want to end it with it because it's um a bit of a bittersweet story, but a happy story, and I don't think we talked... I don't know if we mentioned it when this first started happening in, um, uh, well, I was about to say in April, but uh, we didn't because we weren't recording in last April. But uh, Captain Sir Thomas More, who was a World War II veteran, recently uh, in the UK, died of COVID-19 this past week. He was 100. Some people might be familiar with that name because in last April, he was when he was 99, he set out to raise £1,000 to help uh, British healthcare workers who were fighting the pandemic by doing 100 laps around his garden over the course of three weeks. 
so he had his like his little walker. He'd dress up in his uniform and he'd you know do laps around the garden. He'd post videos on social media and and ask people to donate. He won raises a thousand pounds. His videos went ended up going viral, and he raised thirty three million pounds for British healthcare workers with that, donations from the U.S. to Japan. That's a lot more than a thousand. Quite a bit more, yes. During his last lap in the third week, a military honor guard lined the path. A few days later, on his 100th birthday, two World War II era planes flew over his house in his honor. And on the recommendation of the prime minister in July, he was knighted by the queen. After the ceremony, he tweeted, "I have been overwhelmed by the many honors I have received over the past weeks, but there is simply nothing that can compare to this." I'm overwhelmed with pride and joy. That's because he's old school, right? Like that's yeah, like a super big deal for for them. And uh, in an interview during one of his last laps, he uh, said what would become his famous trademark phrase: "Please always remember, tomorrow will be a good day." Oh, that's um, nice. So, kind of an amazing story. Horrible, you know. Um, he was obviously very old. It's sad that he died of, of COVID. But, uh, you know, like, fighting to the last, clearly. And, you know, at 99 to start a campaign like that and then to end up raising $33 million to help, uh, or pounds, which uh, translates to about $40 million Canadian, to help healthcare workers. Like, uh, what a life. And all well-deserved honors, I think, at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for listening this week. We will be back at you next week. And as I mentioned, I will be back home, so the audio will be uh, back up to our mediocre standards.